What did you learn in school today, dear little boy of mine? What did you learn in school today, dear little boy of mine? I learned that Washington never told a lie. I learned that soldiers seldom die. I learned that everybody's free. That's what the teacher said to me. And that's what I learned in school today. That's what I learned in school. What did you learn in school today, dear little boy of mine? What did you learn in school today, dear little boy of mine? Hello, and welcome to a podcast that is thus far nameless. Right, the experimental nameless podcast. Yeah. So my name is Pete. No, it's not. <laughs> Forget that. We'll, we'll take that out in post. My name's Phil. I'm Pete. And that's Pete. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about why this podcast may or may not exist? Okay. Is that my job? Well, you're a podcast. <laughs> I guess it is my podcast. Well, in many ways, I just wanted to do it because I thought it'd be fun. I don't watch TV a lot, and I don't listen to radio much, but mm-hmm. when I do clock in, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, is this where we're at? It feels strange to me that there's, um, there seems to be a major, major disconnect between what I think and what voices are available to me in mainstream circles. Mm-hmm. And there's loads of these blogs cropping up, like hundreds. People's Facebook news feeds are full of all sorts of stuff. And um, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a unifying sound or noise or voice or content from anywhere. Mm. And uh, I've been waiting around for ages, thinking maybe someone else will do it, but why don't we just do it? So that's basically the idea. <coughs> it's a good idea. Um, so I suppose the, 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 the main issue there is, is the media, isn't it? Yeah, ultimately. And, and my general frustration with the noises that it makes. Yeah. And it, so it is, is the, it's still really delicious. It's, it's pretty good, isn't it? Well, yeah, if you can hear sounds of us eating, it's deeply unprofessional, but we are not professional, and that's, and that's right. That's probably, probably the magic. With the Jeremy Corbyns of the podcast world. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Um, Even less well-funded. Yeah. Is, is, the me- is, it, is it that the media um, has become less representative of what people think, or is it simply that people are more... Are, are more able now to get their viewpoints out against the media that was always unrepresentative of what people think. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one because I guess, in my in my opinion, the the media traditionally is, has made up people's minds. Right. The idea that someone could think outside of the media, I think, is not really super accurate. Because well, basically, and, yet, and yet we've just... The entrance music to this podcast was Pete Seeger. Yeah. Somebody who, worked, who thought quite well outside the media. Yeah, but he's not the mainstream, is he? That's the thing. And I, and I think that... Yeah. But then the mainstream was probably never where the most radical ideas were found, you know? Like, Jeremy Corbyn is anti-mainstream for a reason, because... Yeah, but there's a lot of people behind him now. It's no, a few... there are, there are. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he's anti-mainstream in terms of popu- popu- popularity, but in terms of media representations. Yeah. So in the same way that, you know, none of the mainstream papers probably got on board with the love revolution in the 60s. Yeah. Because that was kind of weird and a bit different, you know. Uh, I don't know, because I wasn't there. Yeah, it's tricky. Because uh, I, I think what's been happening is that people have started to clock online and there's a general disconnect now between a lot of people's views and opinions about what's going on on Earth and what comes through mainstream sounds. And there's all these blogs, right, that you read about and you just think, well, who are these people like? Is it us? Is it people like you and me? Is it... Is it Anyway. What kind of blogs? Like, uh, let me think. People follow all these crazy ones, don't they? like Choice and Truth... The Intercept. The Intercept, yeah. Uh, this avocado bloke that everyone tweets about all the time. David Avocado, whatever the hell his name is. Don't know. Don't know. 
Well, actually, since we're on that topic, <clears throat> right, because I, I think we should keep this, this conversation ticking over, a thing that is a big interest to me is this idea called filter bubbles, right? I don't know if you know about these, Peter. No, go ahead. Um, a filter bubble is this thing that stops you from experiencing anything or reading anything outside of your own choices. Yeah. You start to back yourself into a corner. Well, it's like Reddit, isn't it? Reddit, the whole, whole thing is a filter bubble, really. Yeah, basically, once you get into certain subreddits and you don't get back out. But even the whole front page is... Sorry, this is very unprofessional. It is. Uh, the, the whole front page is um, just things that people want to say, want to read, and any sort of views that diverge from the mainstream opinion will be voted down mm. and cease to be shown. A circle jerk, as Reddit calls That's it. Right. <laughs> what does it. Does it call itself a circle jerk? Yeah, there's a whole subreddit dedicated to it. How meta. We can go on there if you want. So we're looking at my Facebook now. We are. Pictures and, of babies. Uh, pictures um, of babies. Some, a friend of mine's just had a baby who I haven't seen in a long time. Everybody's having babies. 79, 80, 81 updates or likes, real-time likes. An Apple advertisement. Adblock is not doing its job. And what else have we got? Here we go. So my news feed is mostly now made up of news. Right. Um, and I wonder whether my worldview is warped as a result of my own choices. So this is a Syrian activist who is on the other side of the Syrian war. Right. Generally the voice that you wouldn't hear in the mainstream press. So she's a, a big supporter of Assad. Okay. And uh, I've followed her because in the press I realised that the only side we heard in the conflict generally, as a general rule, was that Assad was the worst person on earth. So her viewpoint is that Assad has been victimised. Well, he, she supports Assad and wants Assad to win the conflict, and she's she's not amongst, uh, she's not alone. There's quite a number yeah. of people like no, her. I'm aware of that. What does she say though about about her, about this sort of what's her defence on the war crime Ooh. issues? Um, she well, I don't know, we, we can go on her page actually and have a quick look. Yeah, you can see. You know, she, her her viewpoint's absolutely made up. She's there was no revolution in Syria, Syria, says the Czech ambassador. This is kind of a viewpoint you'll hear quite often from the, this side of the debate. Right. So that was a media fabrication to justify war, basically, in the West. And they say that quite quite interesting. A lot. Though, I, I said that in a meeting at the Guardian. Did you? Yeah, I went in and said, <clears throat> "We're not hearing both sides of the viewpoint in this." Mm. Um, yeah, I didn't. Well, people were like, "Oh, fair enough." <laughs> and ignored it. Well, they do, don't they? Because it, like I've, you, you have worked in the media. I've worked in the media. You know all too well, like what happens when opinions consolidate very rapidly, don't they? There's not much room for an opinion as radical as Assad might not be the devil incarnate. Yeah, I mean the thing is, there's all, there was also a lot. If you look below the line on, I'm not sure about other news websites, but definitely the Guardian. A lot of the commenters seem to be cottoning. It's a bit like the Jeremy Corbyn issue. Mm. A lot of the commenters, in fact, yeah, a substantial portion of the commenters don't show the opinions of the, don't but share the opinions of the above the line writers on on the on the Syria issue. Or they didn't at the time. I'm not sure about it anymore. Isn't that strange though? Because I feel like that's happening everywhere, you know. Mm. Right. So yeah, filter bubbles. So we're looking at my Facebook feed, and I'm interested to know what you make of it. Um, I usually get the top stories from a friend. Okay. I'm not going to look at this. This is some. Actors lining up to campaign thing. Yeah. So yours is main, mainly news based. Mostly now, yeah. Like here's another friend. Here's another friend. But after that, oh wow, there's a lot of friendship going on here. And um, here we go. What have we got now? More friends. Get past that. No, <laughs> Noel Edmonds phoned my cat <laughs> <laughs> from Daniel Kirby. 
who is brilliant, actually. If you get a chance to find Daniel Kirby on Facebook, you really should find Who's him. Who's Daniel Kirby? He's a brilliant person. One day he's going to be on this podcast. I'm really not proving my point very well here. It's kind of boring, isn't it? American soldiers, yeah. So this this is a really amazing project, actually. I think this must be... And I tried hard to be proud of my service, but all I could feel was shame. And racism could no longer mask the reality of the occupation. These were people. These were human beings. I've since been plagued by guilt anytime I see an elderly man, like the one who couldn't walk, who he rolled onto his stretcher and told the Iraqi police to take him away. I feel guilt anytime I see a mother with her children, like the one who cried hysterically and screamed that we are worse than Saddam as we forced her from her home. I feel guilt anytime I see a young girl, like the one I grabbed by the arm and dragged into the street. We were told we were fighting terrorists. The real terrorist was me, and the real terrorism is this occupation. Those who send us to war do not have to pull a trigger or lob a mortar round. They do not have to fight the war, they merely have to sell the war. They need a public who is willing to send their soldiers into harm's way. They need soldiers who are willing to kill and be killed without question. They can spend millions on a single bomb, but that bomb only becomes a weapon when the ranks of the military are willing to follow orders to use it. They can send every last soldier anywhere on earth, but there will only be a war if soldiers are willing to fight. And the ruling class, the billionaires who profit from human suffering, who care only about expanding their wealth, controlling the world economy, understand that their power lies only in their ability to convince us that war, oppression, and exploitation is in our interest. They understand that the wealth, their wealth is dependent on their ability to convince the working class to die to control the market of another country. So there you go. That's a project called, um, it was originally called Winter Soldier. And it's on a blog called Choice and Truth. And they've even shared another blog, A New Kind of Human. And I guess my point earlier about what the podcast might even well We should be explain, about. by the way, that's a soldier who's, um, who's just been fighting in Iraq. And, uh, yes, he's a veteran. He's a veteran and he's kind of come out and... I've gone against... Gone against everything that's happened before, yeah. Indeed, and, and this was done years ago. How was it? Yeah, I mean, this this video has been doing the rounds, like, since, I don't know, 2004, something like that. Yeah. And again, so, Choice and Truth have shared it, wow. They've shared a new kind of humans video. There are, there are dozens, I'm telling you, like, hundreds of these blogs. A new kind of human, that kind of stuff. 150,000 people, like, just this one. It's interesting, I, can, <clears throat> I sort of feel a bit like... When it comes to blogs like this, a lot of people are sort of doing it as a kind of lifestyle choice or a bit like a bit of an accessory to what they regard as their like social media personality and maybe even their real personality, you know. Mm. It's a bit like the Jeremy Corbyn effect. I think a lot of people support Jeremy Corbyn and, and um, uh, like his policies, but I, I also think an awful lot of people are doing it as a kind of a protest vote. Um, a bit like Brexit, because it's a bit like it signifies, it signifies difference, and it signifies like I'm a bit out there and I've seen through, you know. You you rarely see any pictures of any people on any of these blogs. I actually think these, in my view, these blogs are some of the furthest removed from the narcissism bug. But 155,000 people like that. Where are they? Like I, I don't know. Why, why, why aren't they changing the world? Like where are they, are they marching? Like are they? What are they just sitting in jobs, probably in the banking sector? Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like what are they doing? That's what. I, that's what I wonder. So I don't know if they're like genuinely behind, behind it, or if they're just 
interested by it. Do you know what I mean? Well, I guess aren't one and two the same? I don't know. All of it is just odd to me. Like, let's take this Choice and Truth page, for example. 2.6 million people are on this page. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? It is, yeah. It and is, there's, uh, it's, not, it's not the only one. Breaking the set. Let's have a look at that. I mean, you, you could spend hours on, U on YouTube as well, actually. 80,000, not as many. Free your mind. It just goes on and on and on. But then, I don't know whether this is indicative just of how, you know, nearly... Three quarters of a million people. I don't know whether this is indicative of how massive Facebook has become mm. or yeah. whether it's convincing me in my own little bizarre bubble that more people are interested in this than I perceive because we could probably similarly go down an equally bizarre binge of libertarian right-wing conservative blogs. Let's try it now. Search for uh, Make Britain Great or something like that. <laughs> Go on, do it. That, is that what people say? I don't know. I've just made it up, but, you know. Make, make Britain, Britain Great again. 1,000 people are talking about this. When was Britain Great, Pete? <laughs> Back <laughs> when it, like, took over the world. 160, early 116 like that. It's not many, is it? No. But there must be some. Like, like find, go on the... Uh, what's the English National... What's it called? Oh, I know what it is. It's um, Britain First. Yeah, type Britain First, and then that might lead to a little bit of a... A, li a little soiree. See, 1.4 million. But that's see, just Britain, Just see, it? the thing is, also, is that... Um, without, without meaning to, to cast any aspersions at all, people who, who are interested in Britain First m might be less kind of internet savvy, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it is quite trendy on the internet to be into sort of Chomsky or whatever, you know, and to be really kind of like... Look at my feed, aren't I bright? Yeah, but also just kind of like be really sort of techy and be open and exposed to those ideas, whereas being exposed to those ideas is automatically going to dissolve any kind of allegiance you, ha allegiance you have to an organisation like Britain First. So I'm guessing that the people who like Britain First probably don't read a lot of other stuff, you know, they're, they're just maybe like tabloid readers or something like that, or I don't know, I mean, they might be into like right-wing websites, like, you know, racial, racist supremacy websites, I don't know. Simplistic views, but then again, that is a value judgment, isn't it? Brilliant, Jewish people fight back against a Muslim mob in Paris, video. Wow. Clickbait.com. What else have we got? Oh, God. Utterly shocking. Islamists stampede through Newcastle. Patriotnews.uk. It, that's isn't that's not even Newcastle, is it? That so a quick cursory glance at this: Shia Muslims marching in Newcastle. Patriot <laughs> News Hub. Stampede and march are different words, aren't they? <laughs> are they stampeding or are they just are they just marching? Obviously recent because it's currently snowing in wherever this is. Yeah, marching in Newcastle. You see stampede? This, that's ridiculous. I know. Yeah, you see this quite a lot. You know, like where videos are, are re-uploaded. Yeah. With, different, with a different meaning to sort of fit whatever. Right. So let's so say we've got here a, a presumably a group of Muslim men walking bare-chested through a snowy day in Newcastle. So it looks like it's some kind of, you know, like Just community a festival thing, like a sort of yeah. test of manhood thing. There's a load of them. There's like hundreds of them. And, the, and it's it's pouring down it's pouring, with snow. And there's lots of kind of white, presumably non-Muslim people looking on and, and seem to be perfectly happy with it. It's all properly organised. It's not... There's no stampede. <laughs> so it's on a website called Patriot News Hub. If we go to the front page, what are we going to get? 
barbaric ISIS execute a man by hanging him upside down and shooting him. Now, here's the thing. Here's, here's the kicker with right-wing blogs, right? Here's the, here's the thing where we have to burst out of our filter bubble. Okay. It's kind of like an extreme answer to, a, to a, a very real problem because, look, right, I think, I think the left has never really gripped hold of this as well okay. as the right have. ISIS are bad. Yeah. But the problem with right-wing blogs is, is that they sort of take that idea and run with it to such an extent that it creates this sort of inane, bizarre fear and, you know, xenophobia that just spreads. Yeah. And it's difficult because, you know, it, it is a thing that is real and serious, but it's not like it's not like the only thing on Earth, is it? Do you know what I mean? ISIS. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, all of a sudden, for these blogs, it becomes the be-all and end-all and everything becomes completely mm. black and white mm. and and that's where ignorance and racism starts to breed. Mm. But without a proper answer to what we ought to do about these issues, I think this is the breeding ground for this kind of right-wing crazy extremism. Well, I say, I say and, what, and what do you think the answer is? Well, I don't know. But I think not talking about it at all is probably part of the problem. There's, I think there's quite a lot of... There's quite a lot of Material about ISIS. But was the barbaric execution of a man hanging him upside down and then shooting him video on the front page of The Guardian, Pete? Well, no. Well, just, <laughs> do you want it to be? <laughs> Did you call the editors and tell them that this had happened? Because it's on the front page of Patriot News Hub. <laughs> I wonder how old that is, because I don't, I don't remember an ISIS execution in the news recently. It's probably another recycled video. It probably is. but don't, If, if don't, it's even ISIS. Don't, don't assume. Are we going to have to watch it? I don't oh, want to watch it. No, don't, don't, don't show me it, please. Christ, back back out of it. September can't... the twenty fifth. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, but that's, yeah, that's, that's the timestamp yeah, when they posted yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's Patriot News Hub, and uh, how do we answer that? Oh yeah, I'm wondering whether. So yeah, do they have their blogs of their own? Here we go. Four thousand four hundred likes. Not as many people. Positive stuff. So choice yeah. and truth. Two point four million. Patriot News Hub. So it is not it, as good. Is the internet kind of? Is the internet inherently a bit? These kind of new modern social media sites are they inherently left wing, despite Facebook being a kind of neoliberal organisation? Arguably, mm. um, it is. You know, it does seem to have a sort of left leaning slant as well. Well, or is, it, is it just because it's young people and young people are usually a bit more open to those ideas? Well, I don't know. This is the thing. I don't know whether we can, we're in a position to actually know the answer to that question mm. because uh, because of the filter bubble. Right. We just don't know, do we? Oh, I see. What, it so... feels that way to us. It feels like... Yeah, good but, point. but I feel like a Donald Trump supporter is on there. Yeah. And he's thinking, yes, there's this great big cultural awakening. We need to be more responsible, own more guns, and, and, and be more forthright about kicking people out of the, out of the country. Yeah. And I guess, to you know, to the Trump fans, isn't that what Facebook feels like? I don't know. Could be. We're so polarised as a country and as a world now. And it's it's definitely come about in in the recent elections, hasn't it? In that, like, I had no idea that Brexit was going to happen from looking at my Facebook feed. Exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, so it, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It, it, we just it feels different to us. But I think so. To be, I think social media broadly is left wing, just because communication is broadly left wing. You know, because the more people talk to each other, the more they realise that they're kind of in the same boat. So Trump's got ten point, just less than I'd expect actually. Ten point seven. Well, what's Hillary of the Clinton? If you look got? at Twitter, it's probably got more than that on Twitter. Is that where he's, is that where the crew hang out? Well, that's where he posts. See, this is the thing. It's actually mental though. On he's bigger. He's almost twice the size, getting on for twice the size as Hillary Clinton. Oh, on Facebook, that's interesting. 
So, yeah. she, so he's got a younger crowd then? Is Just, that I don't know, no, probably not, no, no. I am sure it'll all be extremely concerned about how big Donald what, Trump what is on. Bernie Sanders? Yeah. Because he's enormous on Facebook. Yeah, the people for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, well, it isn't actually. One million. Oh, that's not a lot at all, is it? No, 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 no. Oh, 4.4. So that seems about right. Yeah, I was about to say something then. Um, yeah, in terms of it being inherently left-wing, uh, I mean, because if you look at what he, what it's helped to bring about, the Arab Spring. Which is, f- for better or for worse, in many ways. Yeah, but it was a popular democratic protest. I'd say that... Initially. Yeah, it did. It did bring about that. But and it might have been co-opted by it. I, I think you'd, uh, you'd struggle to... Um, I think it's you struggle com- to argue... It's comedy so... <laughs> <laughs> Come in, so tell us a joke. Yeah. Thanks for dinner, that was really nice. It was delicious. Are you not recording something? We are, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Say hello, we're, talk- we're just talking about the size of Donald Trump. <laughs> the end. It's weird because we can hear ourselves back and it, f- it feels quite real and visceral to us. What are you talking about? <laughs> Filter bubbles. Filter bubbles? Yeah, like on Facebook, how you can see only see people that agree with you because you filter out people that you don't want to hear from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donald Trump is not in my like newsfeed. Phil was just showing me his photo pub with Donald Trump, yeah. But maybe you should go into my newsfeed. Maybe this is what we ought to do. Maybe what we ought to do is like people we dislike. So I think to conclude filter bubbles, I'm going to like Donald Trump on Facebook. Yeah, why not? And start, start listening to the views of someone who I inherently despise. Open up, yeah. Open up your mind. That's, that's, that's a good thing to do. You've liked it, right? I liked nice it. Nice one. Okay. What's next on the agenda? So, we need to play a song, Pete. Play a song? Yeah. I thought that was the closing credit. <laughs> no, we just I just feel like we've spoken so much, people need some music. OK. I think you should choose a song. OK. Um, I just can't get out of my head. Uh, it's, uh, it was a friend told me about it. Actually, it was on a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell. Right. Where he talked about Elvis Costello had written this song years before and it was a bit of a worthless throwaway, trashy number that nobody liked. And then he went back and re-performed it, re-kind of rewrote the tune, I think, a little bit, and did it as an acoustic version. And now it's turned into a very sad song, which is about a guy drinking his troubles away in an airport bar, and about kind of he was in a very depressed period of his life, um, and yeah, just about his inability to connect with the people around him and the essentially mercenary nature of love. In the air of a dirty Roman. Nightclub, bar and grill Standing in the fiberglass ruins Watching time stand still All your troubles you confess To another faceless, backless dress Snaps, key and water and boozle, Vodka Sambuca, I love you so, deportee. There's a tattooed beauty talking in riddles. Rome burns down, oh, everybody fiddles, deportee. But a thousand dollars won't buy you a Yankee wife alas There's a thousand years of history Drowned in this chase of glass Oh, how I wish that 
mine I could have been a king in 6-8 time deported Oh, it's a bristle charm But she's had enough Still she wrote her name Upon his paper cuff And you don't know Where to start or where to stop All this pillow talk Is nothing more than Finally talk and shop When I came here tonight My pockets were overflowing They took my return ticket without me even knowing Well, I prayed to the saints and all the martyrs For the secret life of Frank Sinatra But none of these things have come to pass In America the law is a piece of ass Departing So it's Napsky and Tipparter and Buzo, Bernal, Vodka, Sambuca, I love you so, Departee, Departee, Part Departee. So, what was that song again, Pete? Departee by Elvis Costello. Amazing. So we're probably going to start breaking up bits of our boring conversations with tracks. That might be a little thing that we do. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But anyway, we're going to crack on. Um, so if all things go to a plan, we're going to post this on the Info Graffiti page. Mm -hmm. Now, the Info Graffiti page was formerly known as Resign David Cameron. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a viral protest, I think you remember, Pete, that kicked off in April somewhere around that time. May, May. Mm -hmm. And the page kicked off because David Cameron was named in a, in a Panama Papers leak mm -hmm. for tax evasion, ultimately. Something that we all feel, many people feel, certainly me, that he got off the hook quite lightly for. His father had um, made a huge sum of cash by throwing a lot of money offshore. He had been the beneficiary of that money and had been very adept and very good at dodging questions and answering in a selective and political way about that issue and survived. And much to my surprise, I thought that he would, uh, I thought that the press would give him a much harder time than they did. But nonetheless, he got away with it. But hey, he resigned a couple of weeks ago for entirely different reasons. So yeah, I mean, we'll probably, hopefully we can, I don't know, unify the page, create a bit of a voice for that page on this podcast. Sure. But just today, probably an hour before we were coming here to do the podcast, Leaks reveal that Amber Rudd's involvement, the, she gets the title, the, no, uh, in Bahamas offshore firms. So the Home Secretary basically is making pretty sizable chunks of cash, it would appear from this Guardian investigation that I got a newsflash for. <laughs> and she's, she's dodging taxes. The mm. two-tier system at work again. 
There's not much of more to say about it than that, is there? I mean, what could we do? I mean, the, the first thing I'd say is that she, there's absolutely nothing's going to come of it. She's not going to be forced to stand down or anything like that. They're extremely good at w- w- wheedling their way out of scandals. They are. The Tory party, particularly. Mm. Whereas if this was a Labour candidate, they'd be out. They'd be dead dead in the water, wouldn't yeah, they? Because, Pro- probably because by their own party. Because we've got consciences yeah. on the left. But surely it should, again, we started this whole podcast with this idea that there's a disconnect between what we feel and what the media does. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Neil, Jeremy Paxman's retired now. Right. Will Andrew Neil on the Daily Politics hold Amber Rudd to account? Will she even appear on the programme? Like, when this happens, whose responsibility is it to go after Amber Rudd? Yeah, I mean, it's the... It's the it's the media. The media is the only. The, the only. It has to be enough of a groundswell of public opinion to get this kind of thing investigated and get her. Uh, well, not trialed. Trialed, judged for it. You know, or at least kind of. She has to justify herself. She does. Which is what the Guardian's doing now. Which is a good thing. It is indeed, but like They're probably on their own. It is. It's good. Well I mean, done. What, what, is, is it on the? Is it on the Independent? Is it on the? Is it on the Times? It's a, it's an exclusive. Right. They made sure they. Well, should we have a Google that. now and see if it's on other um, news? Yeah. So let's have a quick check. Where has this got? Let's have a little Google of Amber Rudd. I don't know much about this person, by the way. Me neither. Me neither. So B- it's on the BBC now. It's on the BBC two hours ago. Let's have a little look. She looks. Well, let's not pass judgment on the way she looks. The. Yes. So yeah, it's on the BBC. It's on everywhere. But I don't think she's going to get held to account. Maybe what we ought to do is find her telephone number and next week we'll call her and infography will alter it to account. <laughs> we'll just ring her up. Yeah. It'd be good to see whether she does end up having to fall on her sword over it. But yeah. then, considering that David Cameron didn't, I suspect she won't. No. She did. Well, yeah, if David Cameron's... Well, you know what? It's never it's never the top people to go. It's always the... Uh, yeah, maybe. The lackeys. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Actually, she's married to A.A. Gill. Who is who? Who is a Times journalist, I think. That makes sense. I mean, he, he's definitely a journalist. I'm not sure exactly who he writes for. I think he's a critic. Oh, no, she's not married to him anymore. Oh, okay. that reminds me, you know, have you seen this thing that went viral a couple of weeks ago Go about on. who's married to who in the mainstream press? No. Let's dig this out. Do it. Oh, I'm never going to find it. Google's, Google sometimes is difficult now, you know. It's getting to that stage where, for bullshit things that appeared in my newsfeed, in my filter bubble... Mm. I have to go back to Facebook. Yeah, it was like a list of people who were married. Um, in the, in the British media. It was in in the British and the American media, and basically like Obama's chief of staff was head of the Washington Post, and like the editor of the news was. It just was just a cesspit of. Yeah. Of. Uh, Inter interbreeding. Interbreeding <laughs> establishment nonsense. Yeah. And you they look went, at, They all went to the same schools. And they all went to the same schools and so yeah. on. This is something that people like you and I know all too well. But have we not got a fish and chip on our shoulder, Pete, a little bit, do you think, sometimes? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's we do, one, don't of, we? one of the major pains of my life. We have got a chip on our shoulder, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, I think, I think, coming to London, we're both, just as a bit of background, we're both kind of provincial lads, um, you know, which are not, not deprived places, by any stretch of the imagination, they're both very nice places, but... It's been, I don't know, coming to London and both trying to get on in the media, perhaps... We'd get a sense that the the way might have been a bit smoother if we'd gone to certain schools and or universities and known certain people. Probably. Um, so yeah, you do sometimes get a sense that that, that yeah that the the there are the key players in the media and the politics 
know each other and have known each other for a long time. And they go to parties that we're not invited to. Yeah, not that I want to go to their parties. Well, they're probably a bit boring, aren't they? Do you ever, do you ever get that thing about, um, oh, I love a northern accent? No, not really. <laughs> I get it all the time. Really? Like, I've, I worked at um, a production company that was quite culturally different to myself, should I say. I mean, it was the first time I was made aware of my, my accent. It hadn't been an issue before. You were like a museum piece or something. Yeah, and he's like, go on, talk, Phil. Say, say, say like, bread. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but it was bizarre. It was strange to me. Say I'm going to steal your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, next next topic. Next topic. It's funny that the moment the choo-choo train of enthusiasm dips, like... Yeah, so, sorry about the... Uh... Yeah, the, the sort of lack of <laughs> <laughs> Next topic is stuff in the news. That's a direct quote. Right, well, we can, we can look, though, because this is where I get my news in my filter bubble, is Reddit World News, and I actually have a really interesting... You need to stop relying on Reddit so much. Well, I actually have a news story that's going to come out in the next week or two that okay. demonstrates quite clearly... What about Reddit? Yeah, I'm not going to give the story away, but... Check Forbes in the coming days for a pretty major scoop. Have you written it for Forbes? Um, I think it's going to end up on Forbes and then it's going to end up on our own new channel. But here we go. What have we got? Muslim migrant boat captain who threw six Christians to their deaths from his vessel because of their religion has gone on trial for murder. Daily Mail. Top story. It's worrying, isn't it? Is that top story for, 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 for ironic reasons? That's top story for Reddit. The shift to the right continues on reddit.com. Wow, that's what they regard as the most important story. We are on the default world news subreddit. Click on the comments. Comments. It, it used to be a predominantly left-wing place, Reddit. I feel like it still is, but I, did, I have not been on that much. Yeah, he also believed Christians praying caused bad weather. Not an excuse, but this guy's clearly not of the logical school of thought. That's quite good, actually, because it negates the narrative that you often hear. Like, for example, if someone does something crazy and happens to be Muslim, mm. the Muslim will come before the crazy. Yeah. And uh, hats off to Reddit for continually making this point. Crazy should or should come first. Do they do that quite often? Yeah, they'll point it out in the comments. But right. nonetheless, the headline doesn't bode well, does it, for the cultural climate that we live in? No, but then maybe they're doing it so that they can, t so that they can say, oh, isn't the Daily Mail awful? Mm. But then again, we shouldn't really gloss over so easily that someone did throw six people to their deaths. They're tricky, these issues, aren't they? Because, it's terrible. Because, it, like, I was actually... I did have... The only homework I did... Go on. I, I set Pete some homework to, to bring three things to talk about, and I failed on all three counts to bring something. There was a story on Reddit United Kingdom this morning that caught my eye. Um, not because the story was good, but because it was so bad. And it was quite typical of... Uh, the kind of news that you tend to get and see these days. And I think it's something to do with punching. We can Here we go. Woman who treated police officer like a personal punch bag avoids jail after 11th violent attack. So I click on the link. Go on. Thinking this is ridiculous. And what do I see? A picture of a seemingly working class lady with a bottle of Stella, two bottles of Stella in her hands. And here's the thing about this story. These are the kinds of stories that people gravitate toward. It's interesting that there's no byline on it. Uh, by Telegraph reporters, mm. hatchet job. People seem 
to like this kind of press, right? It worries me a little bit. Exactly, cuddling kittens can kill you, one scientists. Awful. Because the whole media industry at the moment is predicated towards what will make money. And what will make money is based on what ads they can sell against it. So our editorial interests are being defined by advertisers. So things that make people angry, like a lady who treated a police officer like a punch bag, mm-hmm. oh, that makes me angry, I'll click, mm-hmm. is, is given more precedence and time than something that is really valuable and requires our attention. To be fair, you clicked. I did click on it. I did. I, th- I think it's yeah. It's it's. I'm I'm as much a victim of this as the next. But it person. goes very it goes very deep into sort of the relationship between internet and, and sort of attention spans and getting people's interests. Because I know from experience working on uh, I work at the Guardian uh, as a sub editor, so I have to write um, headlines. You know, and you know, you can spend all day doing the most difficult piece. You know, the most he- heartfelt, sensitive piece in the world. And and if you give it the wrong headline, it mm. doesn't sort of mm. how it it can't compete in a climate where headlines like this one are, are floating around. Then mm. it will just will just get ignored, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and equally, like, unfortunately, sad as it is, like people aren't always necessarily going to click on the thing that's the most worthy. They're going to click on it because they're bored at work or they're horny at home or something ridiculous, and they're going to click on the thing that interests them the most in the moment. Yeah. Because and this is this is the problem that goes in internet as deep as the internet there's a kind of arms race between people's attempts to harness your worst nature and to get you irate and to get you out of control so that you can click and the, your own attempts to, to control yourself so I mean we've all struggled with being unable to stop looking at our phones or to stop yeah. checking our Facebook page that's yeah. because they are you know essentially manipulating you using kind of quite sophisticated research to determine what will prompt your interest yes so this issue is by design. Yeah, it ought it oughtn't be. I mean, look at the look at the, the, the vocabulary in this headline. Woman. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's just woman. Who treated police it. like a personal punch bag avoids tailor. So he's got a violent attack. We've got punch bag, and you know. I'm woman. Get gender politics in there. Big issue at the moment. Why not? And so, like, that's going to sort of I don't know. That's just going to get you kind of annoyed and sort of basically. Yeah, just out of control, and then you click on it. But this is the, here's the thing, right? So the Telegraph, uh, I don't read the Telegraph. Um, shock. You should read, you, sh- you should occasionally read the Telegraph. Exactly, well, full, was, full bubble in it. I'm going to follow the Telegraph on Facebook. Mate, this is right going on. Careful. Uh, I was I was in a shop once, and I saw this old fella um, buying a copy of the Telegraph, and I said to him, like, I don't know why you buy that. I was in one of my self-righteous younger stages. Thou shalt only buy the Guardian. Well, I, didn't even, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't agree with that either. But, um, yeah, he and he came up close to me. He's an old sort of military-style man. And he came up close to me and went, in order to know your enemy, one must first speak their language. <laughs> and turned and walked out of the shop. Like, fair, fair. Which is the equivalent of... Thou shalt follow the telegraph on Facebook. Yeah, which, is that what you just done? Which I've just done. Nice. So I'm, I'm bursting through my own filter bubble. So it says, here's the thing, right? So telegraph used to be, I assume, at one point... The, the telegraph love pictures of, of women as well, let me just point out. So there's two pictures of this blonde woman who's not unattractive in, in the picture, in the, in the piece. You know, they're, they're, Blonde they're, hair. Yeah, they're famous for, on results day, putting pictures of uh, young girls jumping around, having got their results on their front page. Rachel Baines, the chairman of Lancashire Police Federation. Suggestive yeah. image. <laughs> <laughs> Unnecessary editorially. 
But the thing is, who is the fellow who resigned from the Telegraph for all of this? There was a guy oh, who, who was um, the editor. Come on, Pete. The knows? American dude. He's not American. No. He was really well respected. We're going to have to Google it. Editor resigns Telegraph. It was something to do with... Um, Peter O'Bourne resigns over the HSBC coverage. Oh, remember? yeah, that's right. Anyway, so that was the backdrop to... The Telegraph used to be a fairly well-respected newspaper. We didn't get to that point quick enough. We've got to learn this, Peter. It is now a kind of clickbait hub. If we look at the top stories on the Telegraph, this used to be the heavyweight titan of broadsheet journalism. Number one, cuddling kittens can kill you, warn scientists. Number two, men perform better in bed when put under the spotlight, study finds. Number three, Russia. Russia to revive the KGB. Pretty interesting. Number f- that works. I'll give them that. Number four, miserable Jeremy Corbyn takes the famous mum's net biscuit test and readers aren't impressed. That's a headline in the Telegraph. I have to say, though, like... In I 2016. Mean, it, it's, it's not the case that the Telegraph hasn't produced better pieces of quality content over the course of the last 20 hours. Unfortunately, the case is that people have clicked on the rubbish ones. Mm. That's most read. That's not most promoted or yeah, most but whatever. Here's, here, we, we come back to the original assertion of what you raised earlier, that's by design. Because this content is more valuable to an advertiser than it is to the reader. But it's like you have to have a certain number of those so that you can do the good stuff, do you know what I mean? You have to fund the good stuff with the bad stuff. So it's all about funding. Yeah, and it always has been. Like, but it, but, it all, but this is the thing. People I, I, forget that newspapers grew up around advertising sheets, not the other way around. But were they never funded by just pennies? No. The first newspapers were to do with... they had shipping news on and they were funded by people putting adverts for shipping companies on the back but I, at some point if the advert alters the editorial we're in trouble but they always, I think that's the issue with the mainstream media is that it always has because it, surely it's worse now it, it, maybe maybe but the point is like this is why you've got a, a mainstream media that's skewed to the right which is, is because advertisers of luxury or consumer goods don't really want to advertise to people that are sceptical about capitalism. Like That's why they don't get full-page ads for BMW and socialist workers, do you know what I mean? Because those people aren't interested in buying things as much. There is a clip somewhere that I will dig out okay. where Noam Chomsky says that it's only natural that editorial will start to reflect the interests of those that own the editorial. Of course, it's naive to suggest that they won't. So that's a big problem that we're in. Yeah. Because those guys are well-armed, as yep. it were. Yeah. They own the media. Yeah. They own the weapons manufacturers, the oil production. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of resistant to the idea that it's the same people. It's not the same people, but I'm talking about the same collective, the same The same stra- of, stratum of society, maybe. Yeah. It's a type of person. Mm. They're in a party that you're not involved in. I know who said it in a much more accessible and fun way. <laughs> it was George Carlin. Surely you've seen this clip. No. The, the infamous, the American dream, the best three minutes of jo- George Carlin's career. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. 
The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table to figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. <laughs> you and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all, at all, at all. Yeah, you know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. George Carlin. Wow. It's good, isn't it? That was... I've that was a... Yeah. A polemic. Powerful. Yeah. I often return to that. I was really, really sad when George Carlin died because I'd only recently learned about him and yeah, his comedy. He's, yeah. he's one of these kind of unsung heroes of comedy, really. He's a, yeah. But it's, it's, it's an odd cultural phenomenon that the only people who speak the truth... The tr oh, God, how utterly ridiculous a statement. But I do think comedians are afforded a, a greater right to talk. It's interesting. It's an interesting form, isn't it? Because you it, laugh about it. it. it it's often, like, <laughs> it couldn't possibly be true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a joke. But it, no, it, it, often, it often veers to do with just naked politics. Like, I mean, if you compare it to what, it, what, what does it compare to historically, it's probably like a preacher, almost. Well, apparently the court jester used to be one of the few people who could actually yeah, have off the right. king, the yeah, queen, yeah. everyone. They could actually say, oh, the queen's, you know, son of a, a, yeah, a goat or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they could get away with it. Just about, sort of thing. Just about. Yeah. 
Because they would sort of tweak the king's nose, yeah. That's absolutely right. And if the crowd laughs, it's the, it puts the king in a difficult position to crush the jester, doesn't it? That's right. Because the jester carries, holds the court, as the phrase goes. And that's a kind of useful, useful. Um, that they used to have a a um, festival that was called, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically that one day every year, the king would become a peasant, the peasant would become a king. Uh, that's a nice it's idea. Like Topsy turvy. Oh my god! Imagine if we did that. Yeah, but it's it's basically the I think the prince they think the principle behind it was just is a kind of like pressure valve release, because if you do that one day a year, then it's sort of like you can accept easier the other three hundred sixty four days a year. So it's almost like these guys, not only are they, is speaking the truth, and that's fine, but it, that's also kind of politically necessary for for the people in charge, maybe. Is that you have people like him who well, are able to provide pressure valves? Yeah, or the, the laughter about it. You know? Yeah, I've heard that argument a couple of times that laughter is, oh, what was it? I'm never going to remember it. But laughter is something to be welcomed, but it is our enemy, right? Because you can ridicule and kind of he he says it himself there, George Carlin. Nobody seems to notice and nobody seems yeah, to care. Yeah. And, and if it's part of a comedy show, do people really notice? I don't really know. Mm. But, it, but I, sorry, am I am I breaking things? There's another one here, and again, like you know, 1.8 million views on this stuff. It's not a lot, really, is it? Quite a lot, probably you. Yeah, probably like three or four times. Religion is bullshit. Ob, well, I'm gonna leave that out for today. <laughs> it's, it's a hot potato, isn't it? I'm still undecided about that. It's next week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Religion. Yeah. Where we will bring in a third contributor. You'll try and convince us otherwise. Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, that'd be nice, actually. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the polemics of the big comedians are always fantastic. Here's another one of my favourites. It's just a ride. I'm sure you've heard it. I don't think I have. Well, you're in for a treat. There is a point. Is there a point to all this? Let's find a point. Is there a point to my act? I would say there is. I have to. <laughs> the world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly colored, and it's very loud. And it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time, and they begin to question, is this real, or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us, and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because... This is just a ride, and we kill those people. <laughs> Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This is, has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok? But it doesn't matter because just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. Brilliant. 
Great man. Yeah, he's awesome. Hmm. I've just started reading his book. I look forward to reading it. Which one? Uh, it's called Love All of the People. A lovely message. Yeah. And perhaps we ought. <laughs> a good note to end on. I think so. I think that's it. We should just leave it with Bill. It's interesting that you talk about... You, I noticed there's a bit of scepticism creeping into your uh, voice about religion earlier on. Yes. Because... I'm sceptical of religion. Yeah, I can understand why. Um, but... It's rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't necessarily agree in that... Uh, like, if you take, for instance, Buddhism... It's not a religion, though, is it? Well, yeah. Ooh, 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 philosophydifferent.com. Where's the god? But then, who, who says their religion needs a god? Me, just then. Right. <laughs> Quote it, 2016. Um, but that, one of the overriding principles of Buddhism is about love. Mm. Is that you should display love for each other. It's basically exactly what he said. We're all one, and so you need to love each other. But you, but we could just listen to Bill instead, though. That's the thing. We could have yeah, secular it's, voices it's, it's tell e us e that. It's easy to say it. He says it, and then he, and then he lives quite a destructive life that doesn't necessarily embody love. You know, you have to you have to work hard at loving people every day. Yeah, I mean, I would count Buddhism slightly outside of the of of my interpretation of religion. How convenient for you? Well, yeah, but nonetheless, I still think it's a pretty but if you, a, it, horrendous it, and tragic thing in general. The Buddhists have got up to all sorts of stupid, crazy shit in Burma and elsewhere. Well, I mean, that that's a kind of isolated example of Buddhist violence. There are very, very few compared to secular society. Well, I know, but like, let's not play top trumps with which religion, which religion is better than well, which. You're the one that just came up with the, the accusations of violence. Yeah, fine. I mean, compare it to like the Spanish Inquisition. And, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you know, but, like, but like, you know, I mean, like there are plenty yeah. of examples of violent secular societies. It's nothing to do with the religion. I know, yeah. But I, I struggle with isms, really, in general. What about atheism? Uh, yeah, I struggle with that as well, totally. I, like I read The God Delusion. And thought it was absolutely amazing, but I find Richard Dawkins incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not think he's a bit of an asshole? He's just—he's just obnoxious. He's self-righteous. Like, and in many ways, atheism is taking on many of the ugly traits of religion, it, like pointing and shouting people down. And it's just not cool. You know, the self-righteousness of religion, like, is is of um, atheism, I should say, is really bothersome to me. Like Sam Harris, I don't know if you've heard this guy. Mm. He's like one of the new atheist movement, and uh, yeah, they annoy me. And I guess in many ways, like I'm, I'm culturally aligned to that body of people, but they just, for want of a better phrase, they fuck me off. Yeah, I just wish they'd shut their mouths every so often yeah. and think about what they're saying. Like yeah. Sam Harris goes out of his way to provoke Islam, mm. and is that necessary? I don't know. Richard Dawkins goes out of his way to pick a fight. It yeah. bothers me. Neil deGrasse Tyson, on the other hand, the big cuddly bear of astrophysics, <laughs> he's amazing. So let's dig out what mm. Neil deGrasse Tyson's got to say for himself. If we just Google it. This is just becoming a video thing. But that's all right. Well, because... The audio clips are interesting to people, I think. Isn't that right? <laughs> Leave your answers in a comment. Here we go, six minutes, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, we need one. Yeah. The most astounding fact, three minutes, the same time as George Carlin. Here's an atheist, slam dunk in life. The most astounding fact is the knowledge 
that the atoms that comprise life on Earth, the atoms that make up the human body, are traceable to the crucibles that cooked light elements into heavy elements in their core under extreme temperatures and pressures. These stars, the high mass ones among them, went unstable in their later years. They collapsed and then exploded, scattering their enriched guts across the galaxy. Guts made of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and all the fundamental ingredients of life itself. These ingredients become part of gas clouds that condense, collapse, form the next generation of solar systems, stars with orbiting planets. And those planets now have the ingredients for life itself. So that when I look up at the night sky, and I know that, yes, we are part of this universe, we are in this universe, but perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe is in us. When I reflect on that fact, I look up. Many people feel small because they're small and the universe is big, but I feel big because my atoms came from those stars. There's a level of connectivity. That's really what you want in life. You want to feel connected. You want to feel relevant. You want to feel like a, you're a participant in the goings-on of activities and events around you. That's precisely what we are, just by being alive. Just car ride about music from now on. <laughs> the new, the new Audi, twenty-four thousand nine hundred ninety-five pounds. Contact your dealer for twenty percent off VAT. <laughs> Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Buy your freedom. <laughs> what else can we advertise this music? Clover, made of real butter, for mornings. Brought to you by the sun. <laughs> Magnus Irish Shudder, made with real fucking apples. You utter bastard cunts. <laughs> the sun is setting on the moon, and Jeremy is off to sleep. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> I think that's the end of our podcast. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for listening. If you did make it all the way through, we're going to cut out all the boring bits. Next time it will be better. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>